Welcome to the Living in Alignment podcast. My name is Amy Landry. Through a collage of conversations, here we distill mindful living and timeless wisdom within a modern, everyday context. Thank you for being here. Sophie Duncan is the founder of Ioka Beauty, which was born from a desire to raise beauty consciousness through the lens of Ayurvedic wisdom. A mother of two young children, Sophie's holistic work promotes a deep connection to nature, nourishment, and natural, luminous aging. She provides offerings that empower women to remember their innate radiance through all stages of life so they can take beauty back into their own hands. Creating a new paradigm within the community, her content and teachings enable all to apply Ayurvedic wisdom in a tangible and time-accessible way. Sophie offers an online membership called The Radiance Rhythms as a means to working more intimately to discover many holistic ways to nourish you from within. Sophie, it's such a pleasure to welcome you to the podcast and be able to share your incredible wisdom, which is evidently so embodied through what I see you share online. So thank you for your time today and for being here with me. Oh, thank you, Amy. It's lovely to be here. So I'd love to begin with you. Your work is very much about discovering natural, holistic ways to promote a real true radiance, a radiant beauty from within so not so superficial but that superficial is a reflection of the internal state so i'd really love to know how you personally came to this work so a little bit about your journey and perhaps uh what has inspired this direction uh, of your work within the community yeah okay so um so I guess my journey began, I've always been interested in, in Ayurveda, in, in Ayurvedic beauty specifically. I remember in my 20s, early 20s, finding an old secondhand book on Ayurveda and that was the first kind of um, introduction to it and I remember just not being able to put it down. Like I was just obsessed with reading this book and I was particularly interested in the beauty side of things, so creating beautiful and natural products Um from you know natural and edible ingredients, um, so so I kind of explored that for the next you know ten to fifteen years, just making my own my own bits and pieces, and then in my mid thirties, I decided to to actually take the passion further and um, started studying um, in holistic facial therapies and cancer wand and gua sha and cupping and all of the beautiful sort of beauty modalities. Um, at this point, also, I had I had a one-year-old, one-and-a-half-year-old, um, one-and-a-half-year-old, yeah. So it was very slow, very steady. It didn't sort of, it was a very slow unfolding of everything. And I actually came up against quite a bit of postnatal depletion, which obviously really impacted on my physical appearance. And so this, I guess, is what, this is what kind of led me down the path of, exploring the, the beauty side of things I guess is because it wasn't an option for me to go out and get get Botox and um and look at synthetic ways of I guess regaining that radiance and so I started looking at the the natural ways to do this um which was part of my studies and then I came up against some some health challenges as part of this postnatal depletion and that's what led me to actually 
um, what led me first to explore Ayurveda with Hale Pole as far as getting my own health back on track. And then it kind of made me realize that, oh, this is the missing piece. You know, I can do all of these beautiful things from the outside, like all of these beautiful ancient tools like guasha and um, cansavons and all of these things. But really regaining that radiance and that vitality is an inside job and in strengthening digestion and um, balancing out the doshas that at that point were, were pretty out of whack for me. So, so yeah. And then that's where Ayoka sort of came from, from a combination of, of the holistic beauty modalities and the Ayurveda sort of marrying it together. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. It's so lovely and so well needed. And I'm sure that anyone out there listening who is a mother can relate to that postnatal depletion because society sadly is obviously not set up to be really supportive to this very pivotal and significant time of transformation. You know, there's so much focus on the baby uh, and really not enough on the mother. And I think particularly when you have your first child, it's such a uh, it's such a wake up call. It's a huge shift, both internally, like your own internal state. And I mean that not just physically, but also mentally, but also your external world, just you, you perceive everything so differently. And I'm sure you'd agree that uh, you realize once you become a mother that how sleep is so simple, but it's like the, one of the most key factors to having a, a degree of radiance and beauty and you know, sleep is so much medicine on so many levels. Uh, and I really, I noticed on your website, it's just beautiful. There's so much, it's just everything you do is is beautiful. And the words that you share online and, and on your website, particularly, I just want to read something out from your website. And it says, a flower knows how to blossom naturally in optimal growing conditions. In the same way, our skin knows how to radiate naturally when we remove the things that are causing imbalance and prioritize nourishment and care, which so reflects exactly what you were just talking about. Uh, but I'd love to then ask you with this in mind, in your opinion, like through your personal lens, what is the reframe, the shift in paradigm that we come to experience when we embrace an Ayurvedic approach? What are sort of the, a few of the key things that we might be considering? So I guess the big one is, yeah, shifting that perspective from seeing beauty as something that we need to to buy, to attain, to source from outside of ourselves and instead starting to see beauty as, I guess, an, an essence that already exists within us and it, it needs to be nourished in order to, to fully express itself. Um, and so this is a really empowering perspective because that essence, that essence doesn't um doesn't leave us so it's not going to deteriorate as we grow old we, you know there's this opportunity for us to nourish that beauty through all life stages and then really it's about shifting that perspective to like we're saying the nourishment it's about approaching beauty with you know when we're doing things to enhance our beauty what they're simultaneously providing nourishment to our bodies um and I think that's been a big shift for me is really looking at that that what am I doing? Why am I doing this? And is it nourishing? Is it nourishing for me? Is it nourishing for the earth? Is it, you know, and just bringing in that nourishment on all levels, because from this perspective, also, we're not separate from nature, we're an extension of nature. So everything we're doing, we want it to be supportive to nature, to the earth, um, which then in turn is going to support our innate radiance to sort of shine through. Mm. 
Yeah, and you've I've noticed you've shared that online, and it's it's such a important shift in perspective about how when we nourish ourselves, particularly uh, through the pathway of, for example, as you've already mentioned, using natural products. Uh, you know, we're also able to not only nourish the body on all layers, all tissues of the body through diet, through the skincare that we choose to use, through literally the food that we put on our skin, you know, and you've had such beautiful examples of this on your Instagram that I really love. Uh, but we are able to then nourish the earth when we think about is this, are these beauty products or even is this food like, could I put this in the ground, in the earth? Would this serve the earth? And if the answer is no, then why would that serve me? Because obviously, as you said, like, and as Ayurveda teaches, we are one and the same. Like, we are part of this earth. We are the five elements the world around us is. And so, yes, this is such a wonderful shift in perspective of, yeah, nourishing nourishing us on, on all levels. Uh, and that really segues perfectly, actually, into the next question. In terms of that internal state as a reflection of our external self or you know the physical self that we see how is and a lot of what you share online is focused i guess um in terms of like the reels and the content that you share that's really practical and useful a lot about the face so we sort of focus on the face and the neck area uh, and i guess that's a little bit to do with your background in in training as well but how is the face a mirror for the mind i, I read that somewhere that you i don't know if it was on your website and I thought, oh wow that's such a good easy way to articulate it uh so what, what what does that mean and how can we understand that in a really practical tangible way yeah so there's so there's this saying which i actually learned through a course i can't remember the name of the course um right now but there was yeah basically the face is a mirror to the mind and this makes so much sense because you know, in Ayurveda, the objective is to cultivate more sattva in the body and mind. So sattva being the, the peace, the equilibrium, the balance. So the idea is that when the mind is filled with more peaceful emotions, when we're feeling calm, when we're feeling peaceful, it gets communicated through our facial muscles as, as in they're more relaxed. Everything is more relaxed in our body. Everything kind of softens and expands. And this supports optimal circulation, everything's more open and receptive to receiving nutrients, receiving um, hydration. So you can kind of see there's a peaceful mind reflects in a more open, soft and radiant face. As opposed to if we're, and again, this is not to make any emotions good or bad. Obviously, we're going to experience a full spectrum of emotions, you know, through life. But if we have, for example, high pitta, so the high fire element within us, and it's causing us to experience a lot of excessive anger and frustration, um, impatience, these sort of very fiery emotions, you can imagine when we're sort of feeling angry and frustrated, that there's a tendency to sort of um, uh, like scrunch up, you know, to, to um, what's that, like purse the lips is one of them. We might be like pursing, pursing the lips or we may be tensing in between the eyebrows, kind of scrunching up in between the eyebrows. These are sort of common, common ways that we can express those excessive emotions. So if we're doing this on a regular basis because of this high pitta, um, which is causing these excessive emotions, you can imagine pursing the lips, for example, can start to, to show up as little smoker's lines around the mouth. Or um, um, by furrowing the brow, you know, 
tensing up the, the muscle in between the eyebrows, we might start to develop really deep 11 lines in between our eyebrows. So it's just, yeah, that's just an example of how the mind, the emotions that are going on in our mind can start to express on the face. Mm. So really it's about how we're nurturing obviously our mind, the mental impressions and, and our nervous system. Uh, and I think it ties in really sweetly to digestion on all accounts. I know you do speak to in your content um, digestion in terms of Agni and the digestion of food, but you know, from the Ayurvedic perspective or even the yoga perspective as well, like philosophically, all, all food is um, not just physical food, but food is regarded as any impression, anything we take in, what, what, what we're listening to, what we are watching, what we are exposing ourselves to. So just like we might ingest certain physical foods and that may not optimally support our physical digestive system, uh, I guess it's the same in terms of those mental impressions that we take in and, and therefore how we digest those and assimilate those and that's reflected through the face. And, I, and it, as you were speaking, I was thinking, oh my goodness, yes. So when we're all sort of 80 and 90 years old, those lines, those those expressions on the face that we have, let's say, consciously or not prioritized yes. throughout our mental state are going to be almost permanent. We're going to like look like that, like in that expression, almost in a fixed sense. Yeah. Yeah. You know? And that's yeah. pretty, pretty motivating to, to do something about it. Yeah, and it's not to make wrinkles bad or or anything, but it's just yeah, you can start to see how 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 yeah these emotions translate on the face, um, and that yeah to sort of when I think that's why I feel that one of the most powerful things we can do to to soften and um, and reverse signs of premature aging is to calm the mind, you know, mm. is to cultivate that sattva within the mind, um, yeah. Mm -hmm. and, and yeah, I very much appreciate your work in the sense that it's a celebration of beauty of all ages. Uh, and, and, you know, given that Myra Lewin is one of your teachers whom you've studied with, and she is such a, an expression and an embodiment of someone who has embraced aging and relishing really in aging in such a, uh, such a inspiring reflection and I just think oh it's so gorgeous this wise woman look you know there is there's something beautiful about aging women when they do age radiantly which is as you said not an absence of wrinkles but it's 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 an embracing of of that stage of life relishing in it rather than trying to detach from it which is such a push from society now I think particularly if, I mean it maybe this is a stereotype but coming through that Hollywood lens that, that you know, of, of women always feeling pressured to look perfect, to be wrinkle free. Um, and, you know, men don't have the same pressure They you know, men are generally regarded as looking even more attractive as they age. And for us women, it's like, oh, no, gray hair or oh, no, wrinkles or, you know, what have you. Um, and so really the work that you're doing is very much advocating for that shift in in perspective. So when people look at your your work online, um, they can see so many um, great ways to use things in their own home to make natural beauty very affordable. So I'd love you to perhaps introduce the listener to some basic ingredients or even tools that anyone can get started with um, so they can care more naturally and, and deeply for their entire, let's say, facial area. Um, of course, that extends through the physical body as well. But, um, yeah, what, what would you generally recommend? So a big one, I think, to start with is just starting, starting to bring awareness to the face. So it's just starting to, to pay attention to the face and how it feels. 
Um, I love to just like when I'm lying in bed at night, actually just do a scan of my face and just notice where, where I'm holding tension and just consciously relax those muscles because until we're aware, until we bring awareness to that tension, the, the tension becomes quite normal. It feels quite normal to walk around with, with a tense face because that's just become a normal way of being. So I think a really beautiful starting point is always to start bringing awareness to the face um, in, in what, however that looks. Um, but just, yeah, starting to notice, notice how's my face feeling today and where am I holding tension? Like where are the areas that feel more tense? And, um, yeah, in bringing that awareness, we can then bring in ways to help to release that tension. Mm-hmm. And then as far as products go, because, yeah, it is, I mean, I think, yeah, we, we have so many beautiful ingredients and products available to us that really are so sustainable as well and I mean obviously there's no one size fits all and everyone has different skin types but generally speaking three ingredients that I love that are generally considered tridoshic which means they're generally like suited to most skin types is jojoba oil rose rose water and honey And, and you know so for jojoba oil one thing that can be really nice is just switching from using um, foaming cleansers, even cream cleansers, and just using oil as a cleanser can be really nourishing for the skin. So jojoba oil can be used as a cleanser. Honey can also be used as a cleanser. Um, but you want to make sure that you apply the honey to a wet face so it doesn't drag on the skin. But they're just two products that make really lovely cleansers Uh, And then jojoba oil can also be used to moisturize the skin, obviously. The rose water is really lovely, really lovely for mature skin especially, but it's just a really lovely tonic for most skin types, just helping to soothe and smooth and soften. Rose water can be used as a toner, you know, can also be added into face masks, things like that. And then the honey, again, is just another lovely, it softens, it smooths, it's... um, it's just another lovely all-rounder that can also be used, like I said, a cleanser or just as a face pack. So putting it on the face and allowing it to sort of sit for five to 10 minutes and then rinsing. So that just gives you an idea of how three simple ingredients can really be used to create a cleansing, toning and moisturizing and a face pack, um, you know, just with three very simple ingredients. So yeah, that that's usually where I like to start is getting people to experiment with with ingredients such as that. Can I ask you? I, I assume that you mean uh, when you speak to honey, you would uh, recommend raw honey. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So you want to make sure you're not getting a honey that has you know added sugars or it needs to be real honey, ideally. Yeah. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Yeah. I've actually noticed that jojoba, I don't wear makeup very often, but jojoba oil is an incredible makeup remover too, like just covering my face in jojoba oil and then just um, wiping that off with a warm, you know, soft, wet cloth. Um, It's incredible. Yeah. And and you feel so nourished afterwards. It does. And, I mean, we live in such, everything's so dry these days. You know, it's like every there seems to be a kind of aversion to oil a lot because I think we're also used to having this dryness and these squeaky clean, you know, cleansers that kind of leave us feeling squeaky clean but they're stripping the natural oils from our skin a lot a lot of them um 
So the oil's really bringing back in that, that moisture that, that decreases as we get older. Um, and the oil has an affinity with our skin because our skin produces the sebum. So there's that beautiful sort of connection of, you know, again, seeing ourselves as part of nature and bringing in elements that, that work with our bodies innate intelligence as opposed to getting in the way of it yeah and I, I guess when you consider that the body is mostly water it makes total sense I mean obviously oil is not quite the same substance but the body needs that hydration you know mm. so and and oil just is so nourishing in terms of like really obviously the right kind of oil a high quality oil is going to nourish not just that surface level of the body but go deep it's going to penetrate into into the tissues and it's not just about you know uh, a moisturizer like make my skin soft but it's also about tending to to the joints and so forth and i suppose that that's really i've never really thought about it before but the same for the face you know you think about we have a lot of um you know bones and joints in the face and if we're using oil it's just that subtle way of going in and nourishing and softening uh, other face and particularly that jaw tension that a lot of people tend to hold so just like the body would from that ayurvedic lens or perspective it would very much work same same way in the face for sure yeah and then going back to the idea of agni as well in the mind this is where everything's connected the the natural products that we're applying to our skin because everything's getting ingested through our skin um, and it gets, you know, it goes into the lymph and then it actually impacts on our digestion. So from the Ayurvedic perspective, you know, we're really wanting to keep that digestion nice and strong so that it can do its job of digesting food, extracting nutrients to then nourish the body tissues. So when we, so these natural products that we're applying to our skin, it can be likened, I guess, to, to eating natural and wholesome foods that, that our digestion can easily digest as opposed to eating processed foods that the body can't recognize as real food, you know, so it's, it's harder to digest. Um, yeah. And I suppose your body is then using more of its energy. It's going to exhaust itself, trying to get rid of the things it doesn't want, uh, you know, rather than let's say resting and rejuvenating after, you know, taking the good stuff in. And it's the same with the skin, you know, you put that in the lymph's got to work extra hard overdrive to kind of get rid of all the stuff that it doesn't want. Um, so I'm sure in some subtle sense, that's going to impact on our energy levels as well. Probably not massively, but it surely would have some degree of, of impact for sure. For sure. Like what we apply to our skin, hundred percent is going to, you know, impact on, yeah, I, I, I believe so. Yeah. Because of that reason, it's, it's, we're ingesting it, you know, everything that we ingest through the five senses is impacting on, on agony, our digestion from this, from this perspective. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. um, and so that brings actually me to another thing I wanted to read a little section from your website that I just thought, wow, this is amazing. And it reflects all you've been talking about already, but will lead us into the next direction. Uh, you, on your website it says, in Ayurveda, we understand that premature aging doesn't happen to us. It happens through us as a result of ongoing choices that lead us away from our true radiant state of being. So like, you know, it seems so like logical, but, you know, you really have to hear those words to go, ah, oh, okay. So I'd love to know your guidance on some very simple ways to support the promotion of more nourishment and beauty specifically during that postpartum window and, and beyond, because I kind of think postpartum really is forever. Your body 
and your life is changed forever once you have children. Um, but specifically, yeah, through that lens, especially, you know, given that you've got a couple of children yourself and you've been through that uh, experience directly. Um, yeah, I mean, obviously speaking from my experience, um, but, you know, obviously beyond the nourishing the food and, the you know, the nourishing our bodies holistically in that way, taking care of ourselves, I think the biggest one for me that I'm starting to realize through through all of my, my journey with my two my two children is um rest and relaxation. <laughs> it really is, I think for for us mums, you know, there is, and again I'm speaking from from me personally, but this tendency to still feel like I need to be doing a lot, constantly doing and and stretching myself thin and it, it impacts it impacts on not only how I feel, but it impacts on my beauty as well. You know, my natural beauty, my my innate sort of inner essence. Um, and so I think as far as the postpartum window goes, it's like less is more, you know, like really prioritizing that rest. Like you said, the sleep. Um, yoga Nidra has been incredibly supportive to me as a as a mama. Um and I'll notice on the weeks, you know, where I where I start doing too much and I start skipping that yoga nidra practice in the afternoon. It, it I feel it and I see it in in yeah my skin. Um, so yeah, like I said, aside from the obviously eating well and nourishing ourselves on a holistic basis, I think for me it's less is more, um, doing less, and. Some, not just saying I'm going to slow down, like really embodying that, like how am I going to slow down? What can I, looking at what do I need to do today and then crossing something off the list, like doing doing less, lowering my expectations of what I need to be achieving. Um, mm-hmm. Yeah, and I think that's one of the best things that I've been able to do as a, as a new mum, yeah. Mm-hmm. Yes, and I think there's that, there's that, sense that we feel whether consciously or not the pressure to go back to the level of you know work or just life social relationships that we were at before children there's that that kind of undertone of pressure and expectation maybe that we just put on ourselves, partly from society but it, yeah your life has to completely pivot um and that's that is a, that's a big shock I think when you become a mother for the first time um and yeah, like aside from sleep, you know, hydration obviously is everything. But I think when you mentioned yoga nidra, it made me kind of reflect back, particularly on our firstborn. And I think not only was I so sleep deprived because he was a horrific sleeper and I needed that sleep and that rest, but something like yoga nidra gives you a deep mental rest because obviously mothers have such a heavy mental load. And I think when you have children as well, maybe it's hormonal, but we're kind of a little bit more heightened and like on edge. Our nervous system is sort of in that constant fight or flight, which is potentially, I guess, nature's way of being that protector, uh, at least for even a few years. Uh, And I I, I personally have found, I don't know about you, but yoga nidra, it's it's almost like that mental, taking the mental space and stopping the mind from that, that constant spinning spinning wheel and and perhaps um I know many mothers I've spoken to felt super creative after giving birth as well and you're kind of fighting that like yeah. desire to create you know did you experience mm-hmm. that I did during my pregnancies I felt very creative during my pregnancies um and yeah probably afterwards as well yeah for sure and again going back to like from the ayurvedic perspective that vata dosha so the air and the ether within us goes up when we give birth 
and and the vata is is when the when the vata is really high that's what that's going to be the dosha that causes us to age the fastest and it's also the dosha that is um that governs the nervous system you know and that's why you know the relaxation the doing less the yoga nidras that really helps to calm that vata dosha um which is why i believe it's you know that that doing less and resting is so important because i know for me personally as a new mom i remember looking in the mirror you know probably both pregnancies really and feeling like i'd aged a decade overnight it's just that that no sleep that high vata you know so it's just it's and it's confronting mm-hmm. um but it, yeah i think just the rest the doing less the calming the vata the the nourishing ourselves like you said with with hydration and good foods eating hydrating foods and allowing the space for us to to just sort of come back into balance after what's a, a really big transition you know? mm-hmm. mm. And you you sort of alluded to this a moment ago, but I'd love to um, expand beyond the lens of motherhood. Obviously, we'll have many women out there who are not mothers yet or have chosen or cannot be, and for whatever reason that may be. But for women in terms of just the life path of aging and the influence, I think particularly there's a, a pivotal transition for women around age 40. You and I are very similar in age and around that age 40 window, um, a real transition in life in, in many in many ways. But I think you really notice your body is aging and changing a lot um, at, at this point at this moment uh and obviously you know things like perimenopause and menopause is not that far off really and the ayurvedic approach is to be proactive and to look ahead um so i don't know if you want to expand a little bit more you you know you're mentioning the influence of vata but how you know pitta governs sort of this stage of life let's say from puberty up until the end of menopause and then we shift into that vata stage so i don't know if you want to add anything in just terms of what comes to mind about managing that transition and and aging radiantly just generally overall through those stages of life yeah yeah of course so okay so just to give the listeners a brief kind of overview from the ayurvedic perspective is that we you know refer to three seasons of life so from approximately age zero to 20 is the kapha stage of life and so kapha being the earth and water elements there's naturally we have a this natural abundance of moisture available to us basically in the kapha stage of life, which is why you see children and they have this beautiful hydrated plump skin naturally. And then from about 20 to 55 or 60 or for women when they enter menopause is the the pitta stage of life. So pitta being the the fire and the water elements. Um, This stage of life with that fire element is a lot about doing, you know, building, creating. This is why it's often the stage of life where we're building families, where we're building careers. Um, There's a lot of doing. And then the vata stage of life is, yeah, 55 or 60 or when women enter menopause onwards. And vata being the air and ether elements and one of its associated qualities is dryness. Okay, so as we sort of move through life, we essentially kind of have less and less natural moisture available to us. Basically, it's like seeing as though like the aging process is seen as our body's drying out as we move to this dry vata stage of life, which is why we often notice our skin becomes more dry as we're we're growing older. And so it sounds a little bit, 
it can sound a little bit daunting, but it's it's a natural cycle. It's a beautiful and natural cycle. And when we understand it, we you know we can we can learn how to best support it and to slow it down. So and and how not to accelerate it. So from this perspective, anything that's going to add excess heat or excess dryness to our body, it's going to aggravate those pitta and vata doshas, and that's going to cause us to age faster. And that's why I mentioned that the vata dosha, when in excess, that's going to cause us to age the fastest because it's essentially moving us closer to that stage of life. So, you know, from the Ayurvedic perspective, it's like really we're wanting to, we want to, we want to live a balanced and moderate lifestyle and care for all of the doshas, yes, but the, the vata dosha in particular, you know, keeping that calm. And like we're saying that the vatas governs the nervous system and that's why, you know, there's this, the idea the faster we move the, the more we you know the faster we're moving through life essentially that the faster we're going to deteriorate that's just the that's just the sort of um the cycle so really the the slowing down wherever we can and and yeah calming the nervous system in whatever way we can um inviting more hydration um and nourishment in the way of like eating um hydrating foods um you know all of these things and avoiding where possible the the dryness the the dry foods the dry kind of um processed foods that are going to add more of that that dryness to our to our system is sort of you know that's the ayurvedic kind of approach to really helping to nourish it well a very small snapshot of of an ayurvedic approach to sort of um supporting the aging process it's very devotional, isn't it? It it's um it's it's kind of tantric in a sense. Ayurveda and Tantra are very connected, but it's really seeing the body as a temple and absolutely respecting and honoring the vessel that is assisting us to move toward the state of yoga, to that union with the supreme reality or or what have you, however you identify with that. But it's a it, it can really conjure up a great reverence when we take the uh, ego out and I don't mean ego is is a bad thing because we need it to have that individual you know capacity to function in the world but it's it's really seeing almost like a a, a larger picture uh, and I, I sense that you feel uh, and I on some level I feel this as well given the industry industry let's say that we are involved in in terms of um, these Indian traditions these wisdom traditions there's almost like a real responsibility to represent them with the deepest reverence and respect and and thereby embracing the natural process and evolution of the body I'm just curious to know like how that resonates with you on a personal level yeah absolutely like and as you said it's um it's it's nourishment you know it's really shifting that like we were saying at the beginning it's shifting shifting to that perspective of the priority is to nourish you know to nourish and to provide care and in all areas of life mm -hmm. but also stay in a state of flow and um you know not become rigid and obsessive around things either because that's obviously not not supportive to ogres and building radiance but it's this it, it is it's a lovely dance of just calling in more nourishment and um and I mean yeah Ayurveda is it's it's an incredible uh, in, in, incredible wisdom that um yeah I'm very grateful for that's been incredibly supportive on my journey and coming back to that more radiant and true sense of self which 
is essentially what what Ayurveda is doing. It's 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 teaching us how to return to our true self, you know, leading us away from imbalance and bringing us back into that 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 true state of being. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. It's interesting, you know, the, your last little statement there landed with me, and I thought, yeah, because this is a real reflection of how. The Sanskrit word dosha actually means like to spoil or to destroy. So it's kind of indicating this this imbalance already. Um, whereas you know ojas and tejas, prana, they're more that harmonious uh, state of the same qualities. And can you imagine like a world where more and more people were living with this harmonious quality or state of being in relationship with you know their environment and the earth, and how that would have such a ripple effect. Um, it, it's just it's incredible uh, and I was thinking also too I was like oh I think you need to write a book I think you'd have so much you know incredible accessible practical guidance for people you totally need to do that but speaking of books I'd love to know particularly in the context of what how we've been you know what we've been speaking on uh, what recommended reading would you have for the listener maybe one or two books that you think would be a really wonderful place to begin I, I, so a beautiful book on Ayurvedic beauty, which was one of the first ones that I, that I read is um, Absolute Beauty by um, Pratima Rachur. I, I can't, I'm not sure if I'm pronouncing her name correctly. I can write it to you afterwards, but mm-hmm. um, yeah, it's a really beautiful book. And just going back to what you're saying, really approaching our beauty with, with reverence, you know, reverence for our body, reverence for the earth. Um, it, yeah, it's a stunning book. And then I also really love for, for more shifting the perspective on beauty. Um, I love the book The Beauty Myth by Naomi Wolf. Um, I found that very empowering to listen to in regards to feeling more empowered as a woman to, um, to step away from some of these program beliefs around it's not beautiful to grow old and if I don't look this way, then I'm not beautiful. And, um, yeah, it's a really empowering book. Great. Yeah. Okay, we'll pop those in the show notes because they both sound very enriching. I actually think that the one you're mentioning, the first one, is a book that I have a secondhand copy of and like all the pages are really yellow because it's that old. I've had it for that many years. Yeah, I've got a couple like that, a couple of Ayurvedic books by, you know, Indian authors that I picked up many years ago. One's a cooking book and yeah, one, one I think it's called Ayurvedic Beauty or something. I'll have to check. But anyway, but yes, I'll, I'll confirm which one it is that you've recommended and I'll pop that in the show notes. Um, Yes, wonderful. Was there anything yeah. else? I'm I'm trying to think bookwise. I'll let you know if I'm sure there's more. They're the yeah, two. Of course. They're the two that pop into my mind. But I mean, there are there's so many beautiful books out mm-hmm. there that really empower us. You know, it's really about empowering us to. Sorry, my dogs in the background. Um, <laughs> um, just empowering us to to. I like to say like reclaim our radiance. So mm-hmm. it's really about like we said at the beginning, acknowledging that this beauty already exists within us. We don't need to go and source it from anywhere outside of ourselves. We just need to nourish it you know, and, mm-hmm. and support it to be fully expressed. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And uh, I'd love to know for those listening what you have coming up. I know you have your beautiful online membership, which is not open at all times. I feel like it might be open like right now, but it's about to close. But in which case, how often do you open that? And Please feel free to share a little bit about that membership for um yeah for the listener. Oh, thank you. Yeah, so that's um yeah that's what that's that's my offering at the moment. Um, so the Radiance Rhythms it's an online sanctuary 
for luminous living and radiant aging. Um, and so basically it's, 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 um, we have a monthly workshop and then there's mini tutorials on face massage and um, how to care for Agni and just beautiful nourishing ways that we can support our bodies to age with more grace and radiance. Uh, yeah, the doors were supposed to be open right now, but we're having some technical difficulties. So <laughs> the doors are currently closed, but they will be open on January the 1st again. Perfect. Um, so for new members. Yeah. Yeah. So that's great. That's great. Oh, well, that'll be perfect timing for when this episode uh, comes out. So that'll be great. January 1st, 2024, you're opening doors again. So that'll be a wonderful way for everybody to start the new year. Uh, I must admit, even just watching your content online makes me feel more relaxed. It's so lovely. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> um, can can you share your your Instagram handle and also your website just so it's easy for everyone to to come and find you? Yes, sure. So my, um, my Instagram handle is aoka.beauty. So aoka is spelt A-A-O-K-A and then dot beauty. And my website is aokabeauty.com dot com okay great great and i believe the details for the membership are directly on your website correct they are yeah they're directly on the website and also by the the bio link on the instagram i'm curious to know aoka what's the that's a is that a sanskrit word and and what is the meaning uh it's a it's a it's actually a girl's a hindi girl's name um that i found that 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 means luminous um it's shining shining bright I think something along those lines but it just it it just I loved the name I read it and thought that's just a beautiful name and then obviously um the luminous kind of referred to the this radiance that I'm referring to Mm -hmm. yeah Mm -hmm. oh that's gorgeous that's beautiful I'd love to actually I might do some research and see if I can find some um origins for the word like you know Sanskrit roots or something like that that'd be really interesting but oh that's so beautiful let me know if you do it's probably something i should have done already but (laughs) i'll do some homework beautiful all right well thank you so much sophie i've just got so much out of out of you and out of following you online and as i said you make me feel very relaxed when i watch your, your content and and you really um help me to remember to prioritize these very simple things that can often get overlooked in the chaos of our our world and especially being mothers but not limited to being a mother it can happen to all of us and uh, your content is just that real gentle reminder to come back to tending to the self uh, which evidently has an impact on all of those around us so uh, yeah thank you so much for your your dedicated work in this in this very particular area of Ayurveda which is yeah, just incredibly important uh, sharing the wisdom, the nectar in a very tangible and practical way. Uh, and, and also for this chat today, it's been really enriching and uh, I trust it's going to do the same for everybody listening as well. Oh, thank you, Amy. And thank you for having me. I feel honoured to, to be here. So thank you. If this episode was of value to you and your life, please subscribe. And if you can think of someone who would benefit from this dialogue, please do them a favor and send it their way. If you feel called, hop on over to iTunes and leave a five-star review. This is the best way to get these conversations into the ears and hearts of our wider community, to those who need it most. You can find me at amyelandry.com or over on Instagram at amyelandry. May we all move a little closer to a life living in alignment.